Welcome to the One Stiletto in the Grave podcast with your hosts, Sonny Ormond and Jane James. Well, hello, everyone. We have a joyous episode for you today. We are talking about how the archers led to love, romance, and marriage with a little nod to Hawaiian shirts and hot cross buns. <laughs> Janie and I are delighted to have as our guests today the sensational and inspirational Mary and Nigel Long. Are you ready to cast off those dull old blacks and greys and embrace colour? Kettlewell sells high quality wardrobe essentials in more than 300 colours. From everyday basics to jackets, skirts, dresses and scarves, each Kettlewell style comes in a range of colours in four seasonal palettes, so you can choose the exact shade for your skin tone. And when you wear your perfect shade, your skin looks fresh, glowing and youthful. We're ready to embrace the rainbow. Are you? Visit Kettlewell at www.kettlewellcolours.co.uk Welcome everyone to today's episode in which we'll be thinking about weddings. Well, of course, there are grand plans in place for Tracy and Jazza's wedding in the Archers. Yes, there are. And uh, I really hope that the scriptwriters allow them a long and happy marriage. But of course, you never know in the Archers, do you? But they're such a lovely couple. Um, and it's brilliant that people in the village are helping them out. Uh, I think Jolene's lending Tracy a dress and Susan's going to alter it for her, I think. I think so. And uh, in fact, she might even get to keep the dress. Who knows? Yes. I think Clary's doing the flowers. And then the last I heard, they were having the reception at the bull and Jolene was going to give them mates rates. Yes, that's right. Um, uh, now, speaking of marriage, some of you lovely listeners out there will know that we recently did a live recording on the topic of friendship at the Academic Archers Conference. Um, that's episode three, if you haven't heard it yet and you want to find it. Uh, and in the process, we came across the extraordinary story of Mary and Nigel Long. So Mary and Nigel met online and went from chat room to honeymoon. Well, let's let them tell the story. Hello, Mary and Nigel. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> so, so Mary, now you met online as part of an Archers fan group. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Yes, I had lived alone for 13 years and I'd always, every night, listened to the Archers and then stumbled across a Facebook group uh, an Archer's fan-based Facebook group and decided to, to join it just so I could chat about it with like-minded people. Mm. And it was almost straight away, it was about Easter time, um, that I stumbled across a post that Nigel had put up and I think it was a pretty sort of off-topic um, post really and might not have been approved of, but he posted some pictures of some hot cross buns and he was quite proud of them but to me they looked as if they belonged in the rockery rather than in our mouths <laughs> so i was a bit i was a bit naughty and said um well they look they, as if they'd be better placed in the rockery and from that moment our banter started we've got to remember there were seven thousand members of the group at the time and i stumbled across this random post of some hot cross buns Oh, so so it, this all started, Nigel, with Mary being very rude about your hot cross buns. Yes, um, actually they did taste quite good, um, I'll have you know, but uh, 
but yeah, they they kind of were slightly misshapen, but um, <clears throat> yeah, they they was that was my mother's recipe, and she was a big Archers fan, so that was uh, yeah, very appropriate, really, I think. But um, yeah, she's she was very rude, and uh, I don't know why I even replied. But, um, <laughs> and and we've continued. <laughs> the tr- trouble is, the banter began then, and we've continued to be rude to each other ever since. Yeah. <laughs> And then what happened next really was because we wanted, or a lot of us like-minded people wanted to talk about other things as well, to, to develop friendship, that about a hundred of us cleared off really to set another um, site up, another group up, where we all started talking about the archers and other things. So every night we are called just before seven we call a register and we all talk about the episode and uh, in great minute detail Um, and and also we talk about other things and during the initial setup we were all talking about what we did for a living or what we had done for a living because many of the group are retired Mm -hmm. and I work in flood risk management, specialising in what you can do at a property level to keep the flood water out and help a, a property recover after a flood. And I've, done, I've done, gone into this world on the back of being flooded myself. Mm-hmm. And then Nigel said he was a graphic designer um, and a very talented one too, I have to tell you. And I was actually looking for a graphic designer at the time. So we planned to meet. Nigel lived in Winchester and I was going to visit my then mother, uh, my late mother, um, in Bognor Regis and stopped off en route. Uh, We met in a Costa coffee um, in sort of just off the M3 and uh, Nigel rocked up wearing the most horrendous Hawaiian shirt. (laughs) Nigel, um, did you? (laughs) Which again, I was very rude about. And we, we initially started talking about my design and what I wanted, and Nigel completely grasped that, but we didn't leave for several hours. We just couldn't stop talking. And I think our relationship mm. began from that, really, didn't it? Yeah, well, you, you couldn't stop talking. I, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't actually like to interrupt. So. <laughs> that is so not true. <laughs> I, I love this. I love this. Being being rude about your hot cross buns and your Hawaiian shirt. You you still hung in there, though. Mark. I'm hanging on in there, and she was hanging on in there because uh, it was it was going to be cheaper for you to marry me. Than... <laughs> <laughs> so this is lovely. So when did you realise then that this friendship was turning to love? Well, I think really I asked because I was so impressed with N- Nigel's sort of design skills, and I was planning on writing a book which involved travelling around the whole country, interviewing um, people that had been flooded, but had made their homes flood resilient or flood recoverable. And I needed a photographer and I needed someone to design the book for me. And so I asked Nigel if he'd travel round with me. And we were on the road for several weeks um, and we spent you know, all the time working together and then evenings together and we often we walked together and we just realised that something pretty special was happening. Yeah, it was. It was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah. And we we worked well together. And the book was a huge success. But then we became a couple 
But I think the thing that made us was Nigel was taken a little bit ill with man flu just before COVID. It wasn't COVID, but he was extremely ill. It was much worse, I think. Much worse than anything. You know, much. He told me it was worse than childbirth. <laughs> Which, of course, he would know all about. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, absolutely yeah. So I volunteered. I said, look, I think we're going to go into some kind of lockdown. Um, and I volunteered to go and stay with him, I said, for a couple of weeks until it's all over. And I ended up staying with him for eight months. Yeah, really? I, couldn't, I couldn't get rid of her. <laughs> <laughs> I had to sell the house in the end, didn't I? <laughs> we... <laughs> You see, rudeness is the foundation of our relationship. But actually, the lockdown patch was was actually quite fantastic, wasn't it? Because both our work dropped off, or like off a cliff, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I did advertising for uh, Brittany Ferries. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, they stopped sailing. And, um, yeah, so there's no advertising needed. I, I'm freelance. Um, so we had all this sort of time and the weather was perfect, wasn't it? And we borrowed a neighbour's dog to walk. Oh, so um, we walked miles, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, it was a huge dog. Um, and yeah, we just we just loved it, didn't we? Loved, um, you know, working, working very kind of intensely for years, suddenly when your work's taken away from you, it's like, um, it's a, there was a sort of freedom mm. we found, wasn't there? And uh, yeah, and we, we did we... things like eat cheese and biscuits at lunchtime and drink drink vast quantities of, of port and, then, <laughs> and just go for such long walks. And we decided during that time that we were forever. We, 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 we were yeah. going to end up together. So we decided during that time to decorate Nigel's house and have it ready to put on the market once lockdown was over. And the reason we we decided to to sort of move to my area um, was that Nigel's got two adult sons and they're unmarried and live at different parts of the country, one in London, one in York. And my family are all concentrated in Worcester, uh, where I lived. And I had uh, a profoundly disabled autistic son who is 26 years old with the mental capacity of a, of a toddler and he also um, has severe epilepsy and was is forever being taken ill. So we needed to be somewhere near where he was and obviously near my lovely grandchildren who absolutely adore Naughty Nigel as they call him. <laughs> so we made the move to, to my area after Nigel sold his house. So, how, so did one of you propose to the other, or was it? Well, just, ah. well, that yeah, that came about in a sort of a very unusual way. Um, so we we basically moved in together up, up here in Herefordshire, uh, and that that year, um, in July, uh, my son, who was only twenty six, suffered a stroke. Um, he was in York, and he he was rushed to York Hospital. Um, I I rushed up there. Um, and and I, I couldn't initially because I just had a brand new grandson born with a serious heart defect, and I was and it was touch and go. He had to have life saving surgery at only eleven days old, and I was looking after my granddaughter. 
And he was in Birmingham Hospital. He was in Birmingham Hospital oh. and I was looking after my, his, his oh, big God. sister. And then we realised very quickly that Mike was taking a severe turn for the worst. Nigel had had a call, we were together then because they wouldn't let him go instantly due to Covid restraints and we'd had a call to say that Mike was being put on a ventilator and did we want to say goodnight to him? And you can imagine that was right at the end of Covid when when we knew that saying goodnight to people on ventilators meant goodbye. And, and that yeah, was, it was very traumatic. And, it was terrible. And so I rushed up to York, and on the way up to York, I, I yeah. was told he was being moved to uh, Newcastle. Uh, there's a cardiac hospital there because mm -hmm. he was deteriorating. So I was ba I basically was a, <laughs> you know, chase, chasing ambulances, really. Um, I saw him in York just before he left, but uh, and then I had to go up to Newcastle, and Mary decided you arranged I, to, Yes, I managed uh, to, to offload my granddaughter yeah. and jumped on a train to be with Nigel. To come and join me. So, um, so yeah, so he was he was rushed up to Newcastle Freeman Hospital and um, we, we went up there. Uh, I was the only one allowed to see him because of COVID. Um, and uh, I went, yeah, I went in um, and he, he was taken off the ventilator because um, they had stabilised him and uh, I yeah I decided that he he needed something to fight for really and so I suggested to him that um, if you know if I proposed to Mary would he be best man um, and he he couldn't speak but he he looked quite alarmed <laughs> <laughs> which I, I think was a yes so um, well, he couldn't really speak because of the ventilator, but he was he was he he seemed very pleased about that. So so um, so yeah. So that was my plan. That was giving giving something to fight for. The trouble is, sure. I think I'll, I'll take over now because it's quite emotional for for Nigel. But uh, Mike deteriorated absolutely rapidly, and M Nigel kept take, being taken into the uh, quiet room. Um, to be told, you know, that basically Mike's life was hanging by a thread. Mm. And one night in particular, uh, we were in a hotel, um, very near to the hospital, and um, the, there was a wedding reception going on underneath our room. And it was very loud, and into the small hours we were listening to sort of Queen, We Will Rock You and things like that. And the telephone went to say that... Um, they were beginning to lose Mike and if they didn't put him on a mechanical heart bypass there and then um, he, they, he, he wouldn't live um, and we knew we were going to be up all night and uh, Nigel sent me downstairs for some coffee to ask reception if we could have some strong coffee to keep us going and as I went down to the reception a conga burst out of the wedding reception and took me along with it. So I suddenly found myself in a conga that I couldn't get out of, knowing that Nigel was waiting for coffee upstairs. Mary. Yeah, had, had I looked out of the window at that point, I would have seen Mary going through the car park in a conga. <laughs> I thought I wasn't. I thought really, yeah, she's not taking this very seriously. 
<laughs> oh wow! How bizarre! How but bizarre! Then we were went we went back to the hospital. Nigel couldn't stay away, and we were both allowed to see Mike. And having just recently lost two parents, I looked into his eyes, and it looked like I was looking into the the eyes of death. And that's it was so terrifying that actually I I was holding Mike's hand. He reached out for me, which was wonderful, um, and he started putting a ring on my finger, oh. and that that got me absolutely mm. going. <laughs> but the oh. thing is, as I was holding his hand, it was very very hot. We'd been up all night. It was twenty to five in the morning, and I passed out holding his hand. Oh. <laughs> Mike. Unfortunately, she didn't actually let go of Mike's hand, so we have Mary falling down to the floor, dragging Mike out of his bed, who is connected to a heart bypass machine. Um, so, it, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, yeah. Talk about stealing the show. It was. Uh, Suddenly, yeah. Nigel found himself alone with Mike because all the seven doctors were world-leading skilled surgeons were dragging me out on a plastic chair, unconscious, and I actually came round in intensive care with oxygen, heart monitors, and goodness knows what on me. Nigel turned to Mike and said, well, it's just you and me now, Mike. <laughs> and and then we... we um, we, uh, Nigel came out and took a photograph of me in intensive care and said, you're never going to live this one down. Goodness gracious me. It's unbelievable. It is turned down for being too unbelievable. I know. And mm. then um, they, they gave us permission. They said, look, Mike, Mike is going to have to have a heart transplant. There's no two ways about it. Mm. Um, you, we'd only arrived up there with a pair of knickers each, really. So they said, look, there's nothing you can do now. Go home all the way to Herefordshire from Newcastle, pack up and we'll, you know, it'll take about a week to get Mike to the top of the heart transplant list. Luckily, he was quite lightweight so that he could, he could probably qualify for anybody's heart, right. um, a child's heart or an adult's heart. Uh, and we drove home, got home at one o'clock in the morning and the phone went to say they'd got a heart and could we go back? What? Oh, yes, God. they had got a heart. Within five hours. Within five Within hours. Five hours? That yes. is then, so extraordinary. Then you must have been on your knees and then well, you what? had to turn around and drive all the way back. I'm a risk manager, so I said, yeah. right, we get up, we pack, and then we go to sleep, we get up at seven and we yeah. go back. Yeah. And we drove, I drove, because um, I'd, Nigel, I'd left my glasses at home and Nigel was exhausted, so I, I drove the second leg of journey. And we got there and the phone went to say the heart had arrived and there and then, oh, could we get up to say goodbye to Mike? And we had about 20 oh. minutes with him. Yeah, if that. Before he went into yeah. surgery, yeah. We and were taken aside and because he'd had a stroke, we were given a 70 30 chance of Mike pulling through. Oh, my goodness. So you 30% can chance. Thir uh, yeah, 70% against it, 30% oh, yeah. yeah. for it. Four. And you can imagine the day we went through. Jeez. And also, I have to tell you, the day before Mike's transplant, my grandson had had a six hour operation 
right in the middle of it to save his life. So the day before, I was pacing up and down, not knowing whether my grandson Ethan was going to live. Mm. And the next day, we mm. had to do the same with each other, with, for, for Nigel, <laughs> with his own son, having a heart transplant at the age of 26 years old. So you can imagine what it did to us. Yes. Yeah. yes. It was one of the fastest they've ever done. Um, within yeah. five days of the stroke, um, he had a new heart. So uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and we're really pleased to say that it worked. Yeah. And Mike is still with us. Well, he's, he, yeah, he lived, so I had to propose then. I was, I was on a... <laughs> I have to carry out my side of the deal. <laughs> so, so what Nigel did was um, organise a spoof family um, Zoom conference right. to plan a family holiday, allegedly, to, um, to, 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 so we could all recover from everything we'd been through. Yeah. And then you tell what you did. Uh, well, yeah, I kind of set it all up on Zoom. I went down to the um, Indian takeaway to get a takeaway, forgot to take my phone. The Indian takeaway was chaos. And uh, I didn't come back, did I? No, um, Nigel basically, <laughs> normally he pays for it. We've got a joint bank account. I know when it goes ping to put the plates in and he will be home within three minutes. An hour later, Nigel couldn't, hadn't come home. And I oh was ringing God. him, he'd left his phone at home. I <laughs> rang the restaurant, they didn't pick up. And I went into meltdown, so I ran all the way to the Indian takeaway, hysterical, thinking something had happened to Nigel. And obviously it hadn't, but we couldn't eat because we got the Zoom conference. But I refused to go on it because I was crying my eyes out and was in no state. And Nigel knew he was going to ask me to, to marry him. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, it, yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't going very well, was it? <laughs> So Nigel came, went and told everybody, and they, they were, thought it was hilarious. And so he, he said, look, they all know you're in a state. You know, mascara running down the face. Come, come and talk to them. And during that conversation... Mm. Yeah, I propose. So, um, oh. And then and you burst into tears I yet again. Tears again. Oh. Oh. My goodness, it's the most wonderful story. I mean, I've been in tears just listening to you, yeah. actually. I mean, I don't know how you, 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 you coped. And so that is my next question. How did you cope as a couple? What did all these health issues and, and, and terrible fears and, and anxiety, how did you cope? Well, I thought it brought us together much closer. Um, I mean, you need somebody to, you, can't, you couldn't cope with that or either of those events on your own, I don't think. But, but together we did, didn't mm. we? We um, did, and you know, we did. You know, we held each other so much. We used to just stand and and have a quiet of time and just hug. And hugging is so important. Mm. And you know, we used to talk into the small hours. And black humour as well kept us going. I'll never forget one of the nights when we were trying to sort of find hotels and things. And I managed to get us a hotel in the Stag and Hen centre of Newcastle in a Stagen hotel and we were reeling from all that was happening and we walked out of the lift to see a man dressed up as a life-size chicken 
And it, it, it was just that kind of thing, that, yes. that, that yes. little moments like that that kept us going as well. Mm. Yes, I can imagine. The juxtaposition of what's so yeah. awful in your life and then this bizarre uh, event in front of you. Yeah, yes. uh, absolutely. Absolutely weird. So, so tell us about the wedding. Oh, the wedding was well, yeah. We kept it amazing. Very, we kept it very small on purpose because, part well, partly because of COVID, but but also, um, Mike, you know, having just got out of hospital, um, was very vulnerable to. He was shielding. Um, yeah, he was shielding. Yeah. So we kept it to a very small wedding, just just close family. Um, Basically, a, us and 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 our children, our children, and my grandchildren. Yeah, and uh, it was a it was a lovely house near near where we live. A manor house um, called Helen's Manor in Herefordshire. It was an absolutely perfect little place. Um, my best friend, um, who used to be a speech and language therapist, um, is a trained registrar, and she married us. And she was a huge Archers fan. And another close friend who is a huge Archers fan and a member of the group cooked us a wonderful Sunday roast. Um, my son um, walked me, my eldest son gave me away. My daughter and son um, sang at the wedding. Um, a, a friend from the group had written an Archers related poem um, right. all about how we'd met. Um, and and we, we set up a Facebook group for mainly for the archers uh, friends um, you know called our wedding and uh, and one of the one of the things we were gonna do was um, stream it live on Facebook for them for that group yeah. um, and one of the rules if they were were attending was that they had to wear a hat and photograph it and post it onto the um, onto the Facebook group um, which they all did, and you can imagine yeah. a lot of the the members of of our group are elderly ladies yes. and live alone, and they had Zoom meetings to plan their hats and what they were going to wear. So it brought them together, and also the group as well clubbed together and sent us some a, a big present of archers related um, gifts. Uh, chili powder, flapjack, <laughs> yeah. um, tuna baked, uh, tuna baked, <laughs> birds custard, you name it, everything. They'd had a meeting and they planned all that. So we had these amazing archers presents. Yes, they made bunting. Oh yes, they made us bunting, which hangs which, in our kitchen each, to this each day. Each flag has something to do with the archers on it. So, yes, beautiful. Um, so, and, and and didn't you receive some good luck messages as well? We yes, right. <laughs> we had a filmed it suddenly popped up on our facebook wedding stream it was nigel pargeter he'd come back from, <laughs> from the dead goodness me so and then also kenton who i have met briefly once in a bar in 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 birmingham after some recording he sent us um photographs and good good wishes and with good luck from everybody from the bull so oh. that was absolutely lovely oh. and then we finished off the wedding with and we told nobody f about this there's a lot of speculation as to what we go out to mm -hmm. and we danced out out and back in <laughs> to <laughs> Barwick Green oh. <laughs> 
wonderful. Oh, how wonderful. And didn't didn't you also have a, a cake, an Archer's themed cake did. as well? We did. We did. Yeah, that was specially made with with uh, us on the green. Wasn't yes, it? with Welcome to Ambridge on the front, <laughs> and. Um, just the village green with with me in my in my red coat and wellies that I'm synonymous with my flood work and Nigel holding his tennis racket because he loves tennis bang in the middle of the green in Ambridge a bright green cake and somebody had also written a a spoof script um based on our wedding wasn't it so as if it was the archers yeah a lot of the members of the archers were coming to our wedding (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't think you did, actually, Lillian. So I just... No, I'm sorry about that, darling. I could have brought some gin, darlings, could you, with me if I read <laughs> Sorry, I didn't get an invite. <laughs> I understand Ninda Snell came and so, and so did Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Charming is all I can say. It's <laughs> oh. such an extraordinary story. And, mm. and, and everybody is now well. Your grandson, Ethan, is... Oh, is yes, becoming. he's got... He's a wonderful, boisterous, fun-loving um, three-year-old. Uh, sorry, um, almost two-year-old. But he may have to have another major operation at the end of uh, when he's three. But mm. it all bodes well at the moment because I, <laughs> he's just a bundle of fun. And he's Mike, fantastic. And Mike is doing brilliantly as well. He he's, he took he t- probably took longer to get over the stroke than he did the right. heart transplant mm. actually. Mm. But he eventually got home and um, just before our wedding and he went back to work part time initially and now he's back full time. So he And works. he's been promoted, hasn't he? He got, <laughs> yeah, got yeah. promotion. So oh. he's a plant scientist. So oh, um, gosh. I think that's a really wonderful it's, story. it's wonderful, isn't it? And I think mm. you know, the thing that, that comes to my mind is the generosity of the donor or the donor's family. Mm. Because yeah. we all need to think about carrying those cards mm. and and mm. the difference that it makes to someone's Oops. life you know to think of somebody at the age of 26 yeah well, we, yeah michael mm. is uh, in touch with the donor family um and he wrote to say thank you yeah from hospital oh. Oh, how gosh. Gosh. and how it's uh, he gets replies and and it's all very emotional mm. um, yeah i can imagine because and on the anniversary of his transplant he wrote to them yeah, because obviously it was a it was a fantastic anniversary to get to for him, but for them it was it was um, yeah. going to be a hard hard time. So yes. he wrote to them, and uh, yeah, it's it's lovely actually that they're in touch and they love the idea that um, you know their donor child actually, but uh, her, that her heart is still beating. Yes. And I think that's yes. something very special yes. uh, for them to, yes. to get from that. I, I can mm. imagine that completely, that that would be some sort of comfort for their loss, mm. wouldn't it, actually? Mm. Um, it seems to me just talking to you, and because we met you before, there's such a lot of humour and joy about the pair of you. Would you say that's a kind of crucial cog in, in your relationship, humour? It's I've... the linchpin of our, of our relationship. <laughs> We're rude constantly, we laugh constantly, we're always up to hijinks with each other, trying to sort of get the better of each other with, with jokes. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, mm. um, 
Yeah, I obviously win in that uh, <laughs> Every time, dear, every time. <laughs> and, 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 and Mary, what's the best thing about Nigel? Obviously not his hot cross buns. <laughs> no, I think the best thing about Nigel is the fact that he looks after me. As we, We've got the humour, but Nigel does look after me. I work incredibly hard with my work. And often I, I, I drive, uh, well, I travel long distances. For instance, this afternoon I'm off to Cambridgeshire from Herefordshire to work. Mm-hmm. And then I'm on my feet all day with my floodmobile. And I'm mm-hmm. absolutely exhausted. Uh, but Nigel drives me there and he drives me back. So I haven't oh. got to do that. And he mm-hmm. just literally supports me in my life. And he supports me with my profoundly disabled son. We haven't yes. mentioned him very much. Mm. But during that awful week, he managed to get stung by... A, he attacked a wasp nest <gasps> on the oh, same no. week. And he was no. stung from top to bottom with oh. a wasp nest. Oh. So there were three things in that week, even though Peter's was minor. Um, Peter is is very vulnerable young man and... Uh, he's been lived in three different care establishments in the last year because people can't manage his challenging needs and Nigel has helped me every step of the way with with the transitions with supporting him and he helps me look after Peter and when he comes home at weekends it's terrifying sometimes having him six foot three quite violent and you know he, he could break my neck at any second and Nigel is there to support me through that. And having such a profoundly disabled child mm. is awful. Yeah. And to have Nigel to just sustain me when I literally can disintegrate with things that happen, mm. I, I don't know how I'd cope without him. So his love and his humour and his support are the things that, that keep us just so much in love. Oh, that is just wonderful because, of course, you spent, you know, quite a few years on your own, didn't you, Mary, coping with with your son and and everything. So, Nigel, so what do you think is the best thing for you about Mary? Use your words carefully. Well, that's her carer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, she's she's quite an incredible person, actually. Um... On her professional, uh, when she's presenting to people, she is, uh, well, quite dynamic, quite strong, um, very forthright and very, very good at that. Uh, You can kind of captivate an audience, can't you? Um, But she's got an incredibly sensitive side as well. Um, And... Yeah, I, I love that, and I love your humour, um, and I love our our sort of banter and joking. But but all the time it's fun, um, and and actually we we support each other in everything we do, really, don't we? Mm. We we have similar tastes in things as well, mm. and we both cook. We both, yeah, obviously not hot cross buns, but... Um, and we both um, listen to the archers yeah. every night and discuss uh, it every night. So, you know, we, we owe the archers such a huge yeah. debt of thank you. Because if it wasn't for the archers, mm. there'd be yes. no us. And I can't imagine life without Nigel. So, really, thank you to the archers. 
thank you so much for sharing your story with us because it is inspirational and we wish you a very long and very happy marriage thank you so much for coming thank you thank you so much lovely to talk to you lovely to talk to you thanks for listening to our ones to let her in the grave podcast if you'd like to see behind the scenes clips and bonus content please visit our facebook page ones to let her in the grave podcast and if you'd like to ask any questions follow us on twitter at ones to let 65 This podcast is produced by Raggedy House Productions and the music composed by Tom Smith. See you next time.